mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Welcome to Marriage and Martinis. I am Danielle. And today we have an episode that is a follow-up to one that we did, uh, I would say, uh, more than a year ago. I would say almost two years ago, maybe, with Eve Rodsky. uh, And when we talked about her book, Fair Play, which is all about the equitable division of labor in the home. And this is a topic that, for those of you who have been following the podcast for a long time, or even those of you who are on Instagram and follow me, this is an issue that Adam and I have struggled with so much, especially when I was a stay-at-home mom and during my transition back into working. It's just something that we we are we grapple with all the time. And now Ivrodsky, after fair play, is taking things even further because her work is never done and because she is so dedicated to making sure that women get the time and recognition and everything that we deserve, that she has a new book out called Finding Your Unicorn Space. Eve Rodsky urges women to rebalance their domestic responsibilities and reclaim time for themselves. Her other book, Fair Play, started a national conversation and launched a movement toward greater equality on the home front. And then quarantine hit and life as we knew it was upended. Now, all of us are faced with an even more pressing question. How can we even, in the bleakest days of working from home, remote schooling and too much togetherness, carve out a little time for ourselves? This personal time, what Rodsky calls unicorn space, what makes us interesting, isn't a luxury, she explains. The research is clear that it's a necessity for our mental health, our physical well-being, and our very sense of self. But how do we find time for ourselves in a moment when we have less autonomy than we ever have before? And that's what she talks about in this episode to us. For me, I spent years without any creativity in my life, really, because I just felt like there was no place for it. It's not until I started the podcast and started writing again that I realized how many years I had spent not allowing myself that space and to use my energy on any of that because it seemed like a waste. It seemed like it was selfish and it is not. And I'm beginning to realize that now. And I think that everybody needs to realize that because our happiness and our sense of self depends on it. 
So please enjoy this episode with Eve Rodsky. She is someone who I look up to so much. I love talking to her. I love just being in her presence. She's wonderful. And if you haven't read Fair Play, do that. And if you have not read Finding Your Unicorn Space, you need to read that also because both offer so much amazing information. So please listen to Eve Rodsky and go home and decide where your unicorn space is. Hi, Eve. Hi, Danielle. Nice to see you. It's nice to see you. I get so excited to see you. Oh, same thing. And I, I really love your your Instagram is, you know, you're, you're on fire. It's so funny. I like Aww, it. Thank you. So laugh much. a lot. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I was so looking for, I just told you, I just ended a therapy session this morning talking about our listeners. know. last week, Adam and I had a huge fight about a dentist appointment who was going to take our kids to the dentist, um, before. And of course the whole time I'm thinking, oh my God, thank goodness. I'm talking to Eve after this because <laughs> she will get it. But for those listeners who haven't, who maybe didn't listen to the last episode with you, maybe aren't that familiar with Fair Play, I'm sure most of them are. Do you want to just give them a little background about how you got to here? Absolutely. I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about dentist appointments and uh, we just started a podcast uh, that hopefully you'll come on, Danielle, at some point. I would Um, love to. And it was with uh, our first guest is a man who had a viral article that um, was called She Left Me Because I Left Dishes by the Sink. And it's really all about these tiny betrayals, this idea that you know resentment is, is a really valid emotion. And so is anger and so is rage. And uh, that cy- the cycle though of, of you know, rage and resentment um, you know, it just, it, it starts with these small things. It starts with small things. For me, it was, as you know, very well, Danielle, you know, a text Seth sent me 10 years ago. I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries and, you know, all, all of the rage and resentment I had that day that had been building for three years, three years since I'd had my first kid, it was three years of somebody saying to me over and over again, well, there's just not much for me to do. Um, what are you complaining about? You're doing all these unnecessary things. Um, just the, the, the burying, um, and the dismissal of legitimate and real emotions and fair play is a movement. It's a movement to uncover these tiny betrayals and to say that these are systemic issues. This is all about how we view and value women's time and, that's where my work is centered, Danielle, uh, whether it's the new book that we'll talk about, about creativity or fair play, which is where I started my work. This idea that we have really, really built a society on the backs of the unpaid labor of women. And I think the pandemic is finally exposing that. But when you have a, a society where half of the population's time is diamonds, and half of the population's time is, is, is considered infinite like sand, really weird things happen. Uh, we start uh, allowing women into the workforce and then if they enter male professions, salaries go down. We say that things to women like breastfeeding is free, even though it's an 1800 hour 
a year job. And then sadly, these messages of our time being our most valuable currency, but the fact that we're taught to give it away for free to everybody else, it, it seeps into us. Oh, I'm a better multitasker. Um, and the time it takes me to tell Adam what to do, I should just do it myself. Um, I can find the time. They're better at focusing on one task at a time. Uh, my partner makes more money than me. Uh, my job is more flexible. We start to make all of these society-based excuses for why our time is worthless. And I won't let, let us do that anymore. Uh, I don't want a world that looks like that anymore. And so I will fight every single day for women to understand that their time is diamonds. Wow. I want to say two things. I want to, first of all, I love your journey to where you are now because you went to law school with every intention of, you were a lawyer, correct? Correct. Yeah. You were a lawyer and you say, you know, you had no intention of becoming the, you know, the, the divider of household tasks, <laughs> the, the face of fair play and how to tackle this division of labor. And one of the reasons I love that so much is because I think sometimes as women, we feel like if we go to you know school to be a dentist or we go to school to be a teacher or an accountant or whatever we, we've spent our life saying we were going to be, and then we evolve and we grow and you know we, we wind up sort of feeling like maybe that's not what I want to be anymore, but it takes us in a different path. I love that that you know there's this idea of allowing ourselves to go in a different direction and take that different direction. Um, and I, I did the same thing. you know I, I went to school, obviously not for podcasting <laughs> and went in that direction. So I love that idea of, you know, letting, allowing the journey to take us where it goes. And just because, you know, you were a lawyer and this is where it took you. I just think it's beautiful, a beautiful journey. And the second thing I want to say is you really are, um, you know, obviously I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people. And, and to me, when I see you out there, you truly are, you, you are so pure in your want for women to really feel valued. And I think that it is so obvious um, that your goal is so just wonderful and Thank pure. And, and it's true, you know, you are fighting the good fight and I'm grateful on behalf of all of us. Uh, but yeah, you know, the idea of, of women in time and, and it being, you know, men's time being diamonds and finite, which we spoke about in the last episode of women's time being sand, especially during the pandemic and everything it is, it, it comes every day. I think we feel it. Um, and now you have this new, new book out, find your unicorn space. Uh, and you're breaking it down, basically saying, look, it is about more than just division of tasks. It's about being us again, finding, you know, we've all lost in our daily life of what we have to do and responsibilities and putting our kids first and our partners first and our jobs first and everything. We've lost us. Um, so talk to me about a little bit about unicorn space and how you got to this place from fair play. And by the way, that's by design, right? Um, because when you think about Virginia Woolf, for the past hundred years, we, we've had this recognition that women don't get a time, a room of one's own. Uh, I remember I heard Mark Zuckerberg on some podcast saying that his favorite time is his space to, to think and to tinker 
And I was thinking what women get space to think and tinker, uh, especially during the pandemic where we were interrupted every three minutes and 42 seconds. That was a time journal survey. And so I agree with you. I think, um, you know, what we're talking about, this idea of, of losing ourselves and that is, is, is by design. When we keep women small, um, where either our time is spent, as my friend said yesterday, I don't know how I went down a rabbit hole of trying to look for boots, green snow boots, because my kid refused to wear black snow boots for two hours. She's like, it was so hard to find. And she's like, and I'm listening to your book um, on audio while I'm doing that. She's like, it was like an explosion of different concepts. It's just, right. I had to stop looking for green boots. But that, that who makes our decisions as women is a very important question. That four-word audit is really what Unicorn Space is about. Who makes our decisions? When you think about, I'm waking up today, what is the most important thing I will be doing today? What is the most important thing I will be doing today? If it's never outside of our roles as parent, partner, and professional, we, 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 we shrivel up and we die. I mean, I love Ali Wong, she says, you know, we all wear, wear diamonds as women to compensate for the light, the sparkle. We need it because it compensates for the light inside of us that has died. Right. So I think right. this is all about who makes our decisions. Is it our partner making our decisions for us? Is it society making our decisions for us? Is it school making our decisions for us? We need at least one to two times a week where we wake up. And the most important thing that we do that day is something outside of those roles as parent and our partner and our professional. Mm -hmm. And so when you describe unicorn space in the book, because I think what comes to all of our minds is it sounds like a hobby, right? Something that, you know, we do that's ours on our own time, you know, a tennis lesson or, um, you know, baking a cake or whatever. And, and you say that it is not a hobby. Right. There, there's something no. intrinsic in that word. That it is not is, a hobby. Right. It is not a hobby. So and talk I'll to me yes. about that. So a unicorn space, right, is this idea of combining a space plus a unicorn, which means the space is what women don't often get, right? We don't get space. In the pandemic, part of my research showed that women were relegated to uh, bathtubs, literally working in bathtubs with toddlers on their laps where their hetero cisgender partners were uh, taking the spare bedroom um, or, or the better location. Um, men are taught to take up space. They are taught to be loud and wrong. Uh, we are taught to be excellent and right if we're gonna say anything at all or else, God forbid, you're not excellent and right. You're gonna um, be seen and not heard. So you wanna, you wanna be kept small. And I mean, literally small, uh, you know, in service of uh, a capitalist patriarchy for, for years, I was part of diet culture until um, fair play came along for me. And I really understood how much, uh, you know, the, the, the industrial complex of buying things, of bags, of shoes, of uh, keeping myself uh, small, physically starving myself, all those things that our culture makes us do says you have to live on 1200 calories a day. Well, I don't live on 1200 calories a day. I need 2000, 3000, 4000 calories a day, which that's what I eat now because it makes me happy and filled, filled up. So the point is that this is 
these are things that are happening to us by design. And I think that's important because if you're thinking, well, you know, I've lost myself or you feel like internal shame or sadness, don't. I mean, of course we can grieve. You know, I had a friend who said to me yesterday, I'm reading your book and, you know, I have to grieve for, for a decade of lost creativity. And I think we should all collectively grieve together and recognize we can still move on in that grief. And that's why a hobby connotes none of that. It connotes, when I asked people in my research what a hobby was, they said it's something they do infrequently. A unicorn space is magical. It's mythical. It's actually probably more important than exercise, to be honest, in, ter in terms of our mental and physical health active pursuits that make us come alive, these flow state pursuits. Danielle, you know, maybe this is your business now, but I will say that one of your unicorn spaces is a, is this podcast because the secret formula in the book is that you have to be curious, which you were, I'm curious about my marriage. I'm curious about what would happen if we shared our problems uh, with the world. So it was curiosity plus connection meaning you were sharing yourself with the world. That's a huge piece plus completion. You actually uploaded that first episode. That is the hardest part. Uh, it is hard to complete. So that cycle is unicorn space. You rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Curiosity plus connection plus completion. That is not a hobby. A hobby is picking up a guitar once every six months and strumming on it uh, when you get the time. I'm talking about building in a unicorn space metaphorically and physically in your life every single day. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, I, you also talk a little bit about another thing that it is not. It is not self-care. And you talk about, um, you bring up the tyranny of self-care, which to me, oh my gosh, I, nothing stresses me out more than self-care. I mean, Same. really? Yeah. I, I get so stressed out because there's a guilt associated with that. Um, you know, that you're not, are you drinking enough water and have you done yoga? Have you meditated? All of these things that I, and yeah, literally we can gratitude journal ourselves to death right. at this point. Right. Right. And it's not, and the truth is, this is what the data shows. It's not making us happier because of course, self-care is important. I'm not telling you not to take a bath or to take a walk, of course, but this is the problem with self-care besides commodified wellness, besides the fact that it's been co-opted by, uh, you know, a two point, I think it was like $2.8 billion industry now um, around you having to buy things like, I don't know, whatever the hell people tell you to buy these days, a CBD oil pedicure. I don't know. I made that up one day 
And then I got a DM saying, where do you get those CBD oil pedicures? Like, that, <laughs> that was a joke. I, I thought that. you were going to say, then you got a Facebook ad for I'm it. I'm like, no, literally, I just made it up. And then I, someone was like, I want to find one of those. I was like, great. Maybe I, you know, I just started a new industry. You know, you can have, find it or someone can start it. But the, the tyranny of self-care is one that things are being sold to us, especially women to keep us small again, to keep us distracted from our own dreams. And um, the second problem with self-care is that we're too past that. So again, you know, I wish I could tell you, Danielle, right? That taking a walk around the block uh, or with your dog on the beach is, is, is gonna solve burnout. But we're, we're so past that. A, a drink with a friend, important. A walk with your dog, important. But that's not gonna solve the type of burnout that we're living in in the, this late stage capitalist patriarchal society. What's the only thing that's gonna solve our burnout is being interested in our own lives. That's it. Mm -hmm. And there were too many people in my data. I'm now at 750 uh, distinct interviews for, for this book that mirrored the US census and happened in 17 countries. But we have thousands and thousands of more of anecdotal evidence. We probably have the biggest longitudinal study of, of unpaid labor now in the world. I mean, we have so many people in our CRM database that have um, contributed uh, information to us. And the truth is that uh, so many of them say that they are not interested in their own lives anymore, that they don't believe they have a permission to be unavailable from their roles. And then if they do get that permission and, and, and muster it up, guilt and shame literally comes in and just blows that candle out. Now that's why this book doesn't just start with a creativity plan. If you're wanting a book that is just about creativity, you're gonna to have to skip to page 100 because the first hundred pages of this book had to honor the data that how can I start talking to you about creativity when so many people said to me, I don't even believe I have the permission to be unavailable for my roles, take it. Mm. Don't you feel a little bit like at the end of the day, you know, there's, there's this concept of languishing now, right? Where we're all sort of in this state of languishing where we're not in, in, you know, an actual state of depression, but we're not thriving, right? It's languishing and that the culture has become, and I'm just as guilty of this as anybody else that during the day, I cannot wait till the end of the day when I can escape my life and not watch Netflix and get consumed in someone else's life, right? Like that I just, I can't wait to binge watch somebody else's reality because I am so, I want to, I want to disassociate myself with what is actually happening during my day. And this is the thing, while we do that, right? Then the people who are already in power get to stay in power. And I'm not saying that there isn't a place for, passive pursuits because binge watching Netflix can be part of your self-care routine. Um, and that's fine. I'm not here to guilt and shame people for, for, for needing an escape. We, we do, but, but what I'm saying is the additive, if we can understand the science, what I want people to understand is unicorn space is additive. Um, and what I mean by that is Danielle, you just said something really important for your listeners. There is that type of sort of cozy happiness without meaning, right? I mean, I'm sure Breaking Bad probably had some meaning in my life 
um, because that was a really important show. It probably made me look at um, uh, what are those tents for termite tents differently when I walk down the street um, and understand more empathy for people who are addicts. But but in general, right, there is that feeling and looking forward to that happiness or, you know, people do it through drinking. It's, you know, these are what we call hedonistic hedonistic well-being, which is not a bad, you know, we all need some of that, right? So it's sort of happiness without meaning. That's how people associate, at least in in uh, some of the anecdotal studies around what binge watching TV and drinking and all and all that. So that's happiness without meaning. And then there's a and the reason why we've been wanting that is because we're we're living in a world where there is meaning without happiness, right? So for me, taking care of my kids in the pandemic brought existential meaning. I knew it was important, but no, no fucking happiness. Right. There, there's no happiness during the day. We know that from that is from the studies. People would rather be in a root canal than take care of their toddler. That I love you, Anna, but I would rather be sitting in a dentist chair than taking care of you for a full day. It is hard. And so when you, what I'm wishing for society, and thank you for saying that, you know, my attention comes off pure because I am really here to devote my life to these issues because I do feel like this is how you can change the world by having women in positions of places to ideate and dream and to create. And when you can meet that intersection between happiness and meaning, it doesn't mean the rain stops. <laughs> it's gonna pour on us, but you get an umbrella. That's what unicorn space is. It's a combination of happiness and meaning. And I wish that for everybody. So when you can find that, it's a really, really exciting place. So for me, when I would sit down to research the gender division of labor, as you said, it was not something I thought or it was, but I became so curious that I would look forward to this hour of just like, I was like, I'm a student again. Like I'd go to the library. It was so exciting. I'd have books. People were like, well, what are you studying? I was like, oh my God, I, it was, I'm a lifelong learner again. That's my value system. I got to start waking up again. And that was how I knew paying attention to those feelings of spark of aliveness of happiness. I knew I was on a path that was intersecting happiness and meaning. So that is a long answer to say, yes, binge watching Netflix is important, but that is happiness without meaning. We need a place. We need a place in our lives. And even if you don't start every day, but at least once a week where you feel happiness plus meaning. Right. And I think that right now there's this, there's this idea that everything we do with our time um, has to, in order not to feel guilt, you know, that's why there's Etsy now and everything, like everything we do with our time has to be a moneymaker, right. Or has to, in some way, help our family. And if it's not doing that, then it's not valuable. Um, and hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, and and side so, hustle, side hustle culture. Side hustle. Um, yes. The MLM culture, um, you know, women, what do you mean you're spending time on that? That doesn't bring in any money. It's right. just for you. That's so selfish. Right. I mean, that is, I think that is what we're taught. Yeah. But it, it's something that, I mean, you can wind up, if you wind up making money from it, that's kind of a bonus, but you don't have to, right? Like, how do we say, how do we, there's the guilt and shame. How do we as women 
allow ourselves that space? Well, I think that's a great, there's two important questions in there. One is there are very, there are two types of, of women um, that have really resonated with this book already. Women who say to me, I don't know what my unicorn space is. I've lost myself for so long. That's me. That's who I was when I was being the fulfiller of Seth's smoothie needs for three years. And I'd even lost my name. You know, people were only just calling me Zach's mom at that time. Mm-hmm. And then there's the people who um, have been taught that to pursue anything has to be excellent. And by excellent, it means I will make money from it. I will be the best at my craft. I will be the best at this. And then it muddies their unicorn space because if really your dream is to write a screenplay, I have so many women say, well, I really want to do that. But if it doesn't sell, it's going to kill me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and so that's why back to our secret formula we were talking about earlier. Um, and so by the way, same thing, marriage and martinis is the best for who it is, who is listening. You don't have to win a freaking Emmy or Webby or get the perfect sponsors, right? It, it is just complete because people need to hear it. And you have, you're connecting with who you need to connect with. But I think that's hard for people. It's hard for people to put out a podcast in the world and not say, did it get to number one? Just as much as it's hard for people to say, well, I don't even know what my unicorn space is. So what I would say is, you, if, if this resonates, pick a C that triggers you, that you want to work on. So for example, the framework, right, is curiosity, connection, and completion. If you're tr- triggered by, I don't even know what my curiosity would be. My friend said that to me. I just, my curiosity, Eve, is scrolling my friend's Venmo transactions. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, not that type of curiosity. Um, this book, the book allows you to return to your values. So we have a lot of exercises there. But if you're struggling with this idea of completion, that completion has to be this perfection, this excellence, um, unless otherwise there will be guilt and shame, then that is that is another um, place where you could end up. So I would say, you know, find out what triggers you because all of those things can have guilt and shame associated with it. It's why I have a whole chapter on guilt and shame in this book, again, to honor the data. Because again, how can I go into a creative book the way so many men enter their creative books where they're like, here's the creativity program. It requires two uninterrupted days a week. It is just so tone deaf to me not to honor what the realities are for so many women, which is that even if you do have that curiosity, uh, the guilt and shame for for spending time on things that um, are not AKA professional doesn't, don't make money, AKA uh, aren't uh, there to make you a better parent or, or, or a better partner. It is just not allowed. Mm-hmm. It is just not allowed. And so even, you know, still to this day, I work a lot with guilt and shame. So this is my guilt and shame candle. And it doesn't have to say guilt and shame on it. One of the things I love to do is burn. So I talk about it in the book, uh, how I handled my guilt and shame when I went on book tour one. I was going for a long time. This is before, right before COVID. I was going to be on the road in and out for about five weeks. I'm missing my son's birthday. You know, these are things that society doesn't like you to do. And I really had to sit with myself and get really quiet 
Daniela. And I remember someone had sent Anna, which I thought was hilarious, like an origami kit, even though she was like an infant. <laughs> it's like, sex added to like fold origami as an infant. Like, what, a weird, what a weird baby gift, but nice, whatever. It was this beautiful paper. So I remember I co-opted her gift and I had this beautiful piece of origami, like marbled paper. And I, I started to, I had Sharpies because I didn't realize like that's part of the culture of, of a book writer. Uh, you, you know, you start to, to, to sign books and no one even tells you what pen to use or where to do it. It's just, you have to like Google it anyway. So I started to buy Sharpies and I had this beautiful silver Sharpie. Actually, I have it right here. Um, and I took this Sharpie and this piece of origami paper and I wrote guilt and shame on it. And I decided to like fold it up into a really small little square and light it on fire. And I still remember this day so well, because it was this beautiful ritual for me of talking to guilt and shame and saying, you know, you've had a place in my life. I'm not sure I wouldn't be like my brother who's an addict, still lives at home, unless I had guilt to do my homework, to, to get out, to say, oh, well, I didn't, you know, go to office hours today for my teacher. I think guilt really did propel me forward, Danielle for a long time. And so I want to honor the power and the beauty in, in that guilt and that guilt, maybe not the shame, but the guilt that, that propelled me forward. But I talked to guilt and said, you know, I really don't need you anymore. I'm just not at a phase where I need you in my life anymore. And I, it's okay for me to let you go. You were a friend, but I need to let you go. And it was very important because when I was on the road, and Seth would try to conjure it up for me and say, well, the kids really miss you. I couldn't feel it. It, 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 it didn't hit me mm -hmm. the way that it, it would have sort of corroded my insides. I just sort of laughed and noticed that that he was what he was doing and saying, sorry, I burned. I burned it. Like, I just, right. It doesn't work on me anymore. Well, and and that was powerful. And doesn't everything, you know, in, in some way, it all comes back to look, if we really want to break it down, everything we're doing comes from a good place. You were on a book tour because you are trying to make lives better. You're trying to make your own family's life better. Like a lot of the things that we would do in our unicorn space. I loved the, the story. I can't remember her name um, of the woman who decided she, she was into uh, astrology. Yes. Or, yes. Her Hindu astrology. Yes. Yeah. I, but she knew she didn't know anything about astrology. She had, she reached out to one of her relatives. Yes, yes, her and, uncle in India. Yeah, and it wound up being her unicorn space was just researching astrology. And what she wound up saying was, and this hit me really, it was very impactful for me was, look, you know, in some way, a lot of what I'm learning indirectly is going to benefit my family. I'm not doing it for that reason. But ultimately, all of these things, you know, no pun intended, when the stars align, you know, it's going to wind up bringing something to my family's life, to my friend's life, you know, to I am going to be putting something out into the world that is going to be indirectly beneficial. Right. Of course. But I think about my friend, Emily, who, who you know, like I said, I'll, I'll see if I can find that text because, you know, she this is what I think about all the time. She wrote to me, um, she was saying she was tearing up and she's about, she was listening to the audio book. And she said, 
I want to talk to you about the importance of what you're saying, prioritizing our creative life. I'm personally so numbed out with responsibility that first I have to grieve all those lost years of creativity and an impulse to dream before I can even figure out how to reaccess them. I think what I think about, yes, not only does it directly benefit your close family, but I think about Emily, one of the most creative people I know in the world. She speaks three languages. She has her own consulting business. She, she, what would have happened if she didn't lose those 10 years of access to her creative life? Why, why, where are women in the top of Fortune 500 companies? Where are women um, in our Congress, in, 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 in our presidency? We're not there because again, all of these other things have kept us small. Guilt and shame has kept us small. Commodified wellness has kept us small. Not being unavailable from our roles as a parent partner and or professional has kept us small. Our responsibilities have kept us small. Unpaid labor has kept us small. So I just keep thinking about the beauty. Um, not, and I, not even just to your family, of course. Um, they say, put your oxygen mask on first, of course. But, but in general, what ideas are we gonna unlock? Mm. And communities, so communities will we build mm -hmm. if we realize that these are intentional tools to keep us separated, small, isolated, and alone. Yeah. So that's why that second C, because we talked a lot about completion and curiosity, but that second C of connection is really a very fun one. That's my favorite one, Danielle, because if you are stuck and not, don't know what your unicorn space is, there's a lot of beauty in understanding what your motivation to share would be. Cause you were picking up on Aisha's motivation to share for her, her motivation to share to, was to get knowledge from the generation before her and then pass it on to her kids after her. So if you know that that's something that matters to you, that you want to dig into your past for knowledge to pass on to future generations, that's one motivation. If that's your a motivator, then you can say, well, maybe I can find genealogy or mm -hmm. cookbook recipes for my grandparents. I have a friend who's doing a Cantonese cookbook because she doesn't want her grandmother to die with the recipes in her head. So that's a beautiful motivation. If your motivation is you love to be accountable to other people and you like people to be accountable to you, then that's another motivation. You show up together. That's a show up type of motivation. So I think by looking at how you want to share yourself and motivate yourself through connecting with others, that's a great way to start accessing your Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Unicorn space. And it's, to me, you, I feel like when people get older and they retire, they sort of reinstate their creativity, right? A lot of women take up knitting or, you know, like you, you have that time again, I guess. So you're sort of revisiting almost that part of your childhood. And I read something 
that said that, you know, so many of us, like I'm a terrible drawer, horrible. And I always say I have no artistic ability whatsoever, but really what's happening in the article that I, that I read is, is that we all stopped drawing in third grade. So we have no idea. Maybe I'm actually, you know, would be an awesome drawer. I don't think so, but you know, we, we, that's when it stops. So we're all sort of on the third grade level when it comes to drawing, because that's when you stop doing those things. You stop coloring, you stop, you know, um, making projects. Like all of that is, is stunted because there's no place for it, as you said, in our life. We have to create that space. Um, and I love what you said about the, the guilt and releasing the guilt, because that really is the key to creating that space for us. Because I know, I know that everybody out there right now is thinking, oh my God, I don't have enough hours in the day. I don't, you know, that's, it's, it's gonna stress me out to add something else or my partner is going to, the biggest one I'm sure, the, my partner isn't going to understand or it's going to seem frivolous. Absolutely, well, I think it's more about taking a step back, as we said earlier, about who makes our decisions. So as we get older, right, life gets harder because again, our decisions are, are made for us um, by so many other people uh, weighing in as we, you know, our kids are home because the school board makes a decision to close the school. Um, you know, where uh, we had that third child because your whole family pressured you and you're like, why did I do that? You know, was that really my decision, right? I mean, there's just so many ways that decision-making is taken away from us, as, especially as women. Yeah. And I think the power of unicorn space is recognizing that there is polluted air, right? We're, we're in polluted air. Uh, we have, this country has no childcare. Uh, we have no paid leave. I mean, we're, we have a, we have no social safety nets, but that we have to breathe. You still have to breathe. And so what I remember about Kat Medina, this, this art, this, one of the stories in the book about this woman who, uh, she's a Sam's club em employee and her husband hears her reading to her son. And he's like, you have a beautiful narration voice. And he had just downloaded his first audible book. He had gotten it. I think, you know, one of those offers and he didn't realize people could aud audio narrate books. And he said to his wife, I think you should do this, or I don't know, figure it out. Whoever audio, audio narrates those books, like you should be one of them. And so she, um, she said serendipitously, there were microphones on clearance at Sam's Club. So she used her, her employee discount to get one and she borrowed her husband's laptop. And she had this book called Princesses Behaving Badly um, in her pile of books for her son, which I actually loved. And, and she downloads this excerpt. She gets curious, she finds a website. She downloads an excerpt of herself narrating. And then the next week she gets a phone call that she's booked a, a book and she reads her first book after her kids go to her kid went to bed. Um, and then she uploaded on the system and, and, and she, she goes to a tattoo studio and she tattoos on her arm. Reading books is like breathing air. And she says to me, her mother is like, hold your horses lady. You know, you've read one book <laughs> and you're tattooing on your arm reading books is like breathing air. What is wrong with you? And what she said was so profound to me because it's something that came up in the data over and over again. 
this experience couldn't be taken away from me. Mm-hmm. And why I think that's so powerful is because I remember writing her story. I was writing a chapter and of course I thought it was, you know, mediocre and oh, that's going to have to be edited a million times, but I was writing her story in this chapter. And the same day, Anna decides to, you know, basically do what my son does in Taekwondo. He's a black belt. Taekwondo kicked me in the eye. I get this huge black eye that night. And I remember thinking to myself, I think Kat is right. My reaction to being kicked in the eye and having this giant black eye is very different because I had my morning to write a chapter of my book. These experiences that can't be taken away from us, they shelter us. They give us some resilience and some armor for the rest of our day that's either mundane or in my day, in my day actually really painful and frustrating and annoying. And so that's what this is. Mm. This is not saying you have to live a life that's always steeped in unicorn space. It's not here to guilt and shame you when you don't have it. But the more you can ex- acquire these experiences and be like Kat Medina, who literally tattooed one experience on her arm, that's what gets us through these, these periods of disruption. Oh, I love that. And that's sort of the science behind it too. And talk to me about you guys, you did a lot with neuro, I'm not science, (laughs) neuro. You did a lot of neuro. Neuro, well, we did. We we interviewed 12 expert disciplines, which was really, really fun. And what we found was that creativity is uh, associated with daily flourishing. So that's what I really am wishing. Um, I I think as, as mothers, we do have a lot of meaning. I think there is existential meaning. So I'm not so worried about that for people who have caregiving responsibilities. Um, I'm not worried about happiness without meaning because a lot of people are freaking streaming shows, TV shows right now and drinking. Uh, um, but what I am worried about is, as we said before, uh, what happens when people miss those experiences that have the happiness and meaning combined, those really powerful experiences we just said of that narration of the flow state, those daily flourishing experiences. So maybe it won't be daily, may not be daily in a pandemic and that's fine. Maybe more days you'll get black eyes like like I did, (laughs) then then you'll have the days to write. But, But metaphorically, these idea that you know that you need an umbrella, that you can't continue to be rained on because you will drown, then maybe we understand that, that how important and, and necessary this is, that your creativity is not optional. And I think, Danielle, what you said is really important. You are extremely creative. The way your, your uh, Instagram handle curates humor, the, the way you uh, present your um, life stories, uh, resolutions, problems, that's extremely creative. And so I think we've also missed out on the boat of what creativity actually is, because somehow we associate it with just, as you said earlier, just paper and um, a paintbrush. Right. Right. And wouldn't it be so nice if we could like, actually what, what we talk about flow, but we could actually be in that zone enough. I'd love you to talk a little bit more about flow where we can sort of uncover these things that we didn't know we had because everything is sort of a bridge to something else, right? It all is sort of a, you know, when we, when you do one thing, you don't realize, oh, I'm actually really good at this. I mean, when we started the podcast, you know, I hadn't written since college. 
Mm. And I started writing again, you know, because of the podcast. And, and I was like, I cannot believe, like you, you said about the book, I, I cannot believe that I spent the last 15 years of my life not writing. Uh, how did I do that? But had I not started podcasting, I never would have started writing again. And, and that's really what it all is, is it's, like you said, unlocking all of these other things. So you don't know where it's going to lead. And that's really powerful also. And it got me chill, gave me chills about getting throughout the day, because it is true. Sometimes Adam and I will go two, three weeks without podcasting. And I feel myself get very anxious and I feel myself not really able anymore to deal as well with life when I don't have that release. So, yeah. But tell us about flow, because that really is so interesting. And you talk about that also in fair play a little bit, I think. Did you? Yeah. Well, yes, because I think it's so important to um, have experiences where my, all of my work is about time, as we said in the beginning of the episode. So I like when to play with time. It, you know, for me, I notice when I'm, you know, playing with Anna or if we're, um, I'm her student and, you know, we're playing teacher that, uh, 14 years. Yeah. That 15 minutes of playing with her feels like, you know, Mm -hmm. 10,000, you know, millennia. a hundred percent, but when I'm with you or, or writing or dancing or now researching a murder mystery, because that's my other unicorn space. I really want to write a thriller. Um, the time I was like, what, where did the time go? Right. Where did that time go? So playing with time is really interesting. The, the flow state research correlated a lot to something that I think is important to wrap all these concepts up in. And that is where does happiness live? Because a lot of what you talk about is also, um, intergenerational Danielle. So we've said for too long to our children, I just want you to be happy. That internalizes to ourselves to say, well, I'm just looking for happiness. The more we look for happiness, and this is what the data shows, that the sadder we are. Where happiness should live is as a clue that you're on the right path. And if you can put happiness in that place, it's so much less daunting, right? Because really, truly, what the what I say to my kids instead of I wish you happiness is what came out of my research um, and my interview with Dr. Lisa Damore, which is, you know what, kids? I don't wish for you happiness because you'd be a sociopath if you were happy all the time. I wish for you the appropriate emotion at the appropriate time and the ability and the strength to weather it. And your unicorn space will be the ability and the strength to weather it. That's what I want to focus on for you. And also for us, that's our gift to understand happiness lives there. It doesn't live as the means to an end. Wow. My God. That's amazing. Um, Can you talk a little bit about your unicorn space and how you came up with that? I mean, I love it. I would like to see it in action sometime. Please, please live. I'm going to do my first. I'm going to do my first TikTok video with my cousin. Um, We said, we'll finally do it. For me, a return to dance was really, really important because um, 90s hip hop is is part of my identity. It is is where I grew up, the birth of hip hop uh, in every borough, um, the time of Stretch Armstrong and Bobito. There There was just this period of time in the Lower East Side of Manhattan 
and the New York City five boroughs that was so vibrant. So it brings back that nostalgia for me, but also, um, you know, it's so fun. It's, it's, you know, not TikTok dancing is not just for the 14 year olds out there. You know, you can embarrass your kids. Wait, do you Um, have a TikTok? No, I do. I mean, we we're just getting it up and running, but I, I really want to do some dancing on there just to share with the world. I think it'd be so fun. Oh my God. It would be so fun. Only if my cousin will do it with me, which is what I, I will be there. your first follower. Thank you. She's a single mother, as I write about in the book. And um, she's had a lot of drowning on her, a lot of, a lot of rain. So she's, it's coming back. She's rediscovering her unicorn space through dance and adventure. And it's been fun to watch her get to be back in, in her own, in her, her own uh, power. Uh, so, yeah, so that's one. Um, my so hip hop dancing or just dance, okay. hip hop dance. I also like ballroom and jazz, advanced beginner jazz. I'm taking a class right now. And actually they, they gave us costumes and props. So Danielle, I'll show you my, <laughs> you get like fun sequin gloves. Very, I swear to God that I'm going to send you a picture of my eight year old dance class costume. Oh and my God. that we, I wore those gloves. I kid you not. I will see, we are connected then. And maybe I'm channeling your childhood. But I think, um, so sometimes things are a return. But, you know, I also had a lot of trauma in my childhood. So I understand why people may not, you know, I never loved that advice. Well, just return to what you loved in childhood. Because as you said, Danielle, you, you didn't, you're not returning to podcasting. You didn't do that when you were eight years old. Things are iterative, right? I mean, it doesn't mean your skills are, are dead. The, the skills I learned as a, a performance artist when I did spoken word poetry and rhetoric and acting, those are all helping me now as I convey my ideas in this part of my life, right? They, they, those skills are helpful, um, but it doesn't always have to be a return. So the other thing, I really wanna learn how tea is made. I'm obsessed with iced tea and I thought it would be so fun uh, to go somewhere in, you know, in some amazing location to see how tea is made. I have all my unicorn spaces written down. I want to learn to make chocolate from scratch um, and go to like a chocolate studio. Uh, th- I just started outlining a murder mystery novel because I read this article about a genetic detective, a woman who was a Barbie model and then a stay-at-home mom, I believe. And then she she was an amateur sleuth and now she's the most important genetic detective in the US helping you know people solve crimes. And so I want to do one where there's ethics, you know, an ethics debate about it and fair play comes into her life. And so anyway, I have so many different ideas, but I think the beauty of unicorn space is, you know, one or more is that creativity sort of compounds when you're an object in motion, like physics, you stay an object in motion. So I think that's the beauty of what Danielle was saying by starting podcasting, whether or not you complete again, whether it's perfect or excellent, you, you found your, you re- a return to writing. By starting Fair Play, a gender division of labor experiment, I rediscovered my love of dance. You just can't make this stuff up. It just happens. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. So tell everybody where they can find you and what is happening and when you're going to be on TikTok. <laughs> so you're, you're gonna be, I will find I will find you. You're going to be my first follower. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I would say uh, the. the if you follow Fair Play Life, that's where everything's happening with the book and um, 
our podcast, uh, Dr. Aditi Nurukar is uh, my co-host and she's amazing because she really talks about the si- all the neuros we were just saying. Yeah. She does all, she does all that neuroing really well. She uh-huh. talks all about the science behind the things we're talking about, creativity, stress, resilience. So she's great because she brings this amazing science lens to the topic. And then, um, and then Eve Rodsky, my own personal Instagram is if you're just wanting like a more angry version of, of fair play life, <laughs> you know, it's a little more political. It's a little more angry. It's, it's no, it's um, fantastic. It's fantastic. And the work you're doing is so important. I'm so grateful to you. Um, we talk about your fair play cards all the time. We mentioned them in our ebook actually. Thank and, you. I, um, by the I way, mean, and by the way, that's another unicorn space you did. Can we talk about how amazing that is? Because I have it. Your prompts. I mean, think about oh. what you're doing for other for other couples. Thank you. Thank and, and, and also what I love about it um, is back to the commodified wellness of relationships. I always felt like this idea of having to have these expensive date nights or, you know, hundred dollar restaurants. Like what right. you do is you return, you return people to like the values of why, why you'd want to be on a date night anyway, to connect. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite date night is in my living room. Right. Well, I just, I love it. I love that message. Thank you. It's very, it's so aligned with what we find that when you get to the core value of what you're trying to do, it makes it so much more meaningful. So when you want to connect. And so anyway, I've, I've used um, a lot of your prompts and I just, I find that it's just, your work is really, it's really Oh, thank you. Well, I feel the same. I, I hope everybody will go out and by uh, find your unicorn space really because I mean, just the concept is, uh, I, I, again, I'm just going to gush that I'm so grateful to you because you are bringing to light things that we, we just, we need, we need, we need to do this. Um, and you are, you know, taking the first steps and um, I will follow your lead wherever you go, <laughs> because I just think you're the most beautiful human. Thank you so much. Go follow Eve Rodsky on Instagram by find your unicorn space. Do you read it? The audio version? Yeah, I do. <gasps> I do. <gasps> oh, okay. Then everybody needs to download the audio also, <laughs> because this, to hear this voice every day in your ears while you're doing whatever is magic. Thank you. So, thank, thank you, thank you so much, Eve. I love Big you. Big hug. Sorry. We'll see you soon. Yes. Okay. Mwah. Talk to you soon. Okay. You bye. have a great day. Bye. Bye. Bye.